Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Opportunity Knocks. I am your host, Dean Miller. This is the podcast that we're redefining. We're here to talk about opportunities, people's business journeys, and in many cases, the journey through life that got mm-hmm. them to those points in business that they're at. I am here today with a very special guest. Not that any of them aren't special, but this guy sitting across the table from me, uh, we were just reminiscing and realizing, holy crap, time flies. I have known our guest today for probably somewhere around 35 years, give or take a few. Um, my, my good old friend from my high school days, Doug McGurk. Yeah. Doug, welcome, welcome so Going much to, to the Thank podcast. You. I appreciate Thank you, you coming in. Yeah. So we, part of the reason why we, we reconnected on this level and Doug and I talk somewhat regularly through the wonderful world of social media, Doug actually just came out with, this is your first book, correct? My first uh, entire book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, you've been parts of others. But yeah. This I've is, been on you know, the multiple gotcha. author books. So th- this book is specifically titled Under Construction, Navigating the Detours on the Road to Recovery. And in our brief conversation right before this, Doug, get, before I dive into that, mm-hmm. give us a little background. Tell us exactly who you are and what you do professionally right now with that. That led you to write this book. Great. So the the short story on that, and I know we'll unpack this uh, to whatever degree we we go down rabbit holes. I was on the road with Tony Robbins uh, about 11, 12 years ago. And um, in what capacity? I was a trainer, national trainer, okay. peak performance strategist. So the role with that is doing trainings, corporate trainings, essentially for businesses. We spent a lot of time in real estate, mortgage, sales organizations. Okay. And I would come in and do a training and then invite them to spend a weekend with Tony. And, uh, little background before that, I'm also a master practitioner and trainer of neuro-linguistic programming and neo-Erixonian hypnosis. And we'll get into that maybe later, but I went on the road with Tony and one of my, as that gig, you're basically a business owner, right? right? You're a coach, you're a speaker, and it is a sales, everything is sales, right? So it's an opportunity to bring them on. And one of the gifts I would do is like value add. Like I believe in, you know, not under promising and over delivering necessarily, but certainly going above and beyond bringing, all the bringing time. Bringing huge value, but always knowing that there's an opportunity within bringing that value to add more to of it. Of course, yeah. right? And and that's what I believe is what creates success for any business is delivering even more than your con, your consumer, always. your customer, your client could ever expect. So one of the things that I would do is get a room to have events for my new clients. So I would enroll them into uh, one of Tony's events. And then I would say, Hey, because you're doing this, I will you're, you're, give you a pre warm up event. And I did things like this where I would kind of get them prepared for Tony's event. And it was just a way okay. to add value and stay connected. Right. It was also a way to build referrals and, 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 and so raise forth. the quality of their experience yeah, at the event or, or, or after the event. Right. And I did that around the country. So when I got to Florida, a good friend of mine, you know, is like looking for a space to do this. And he's like, I have a friend. I, I don't even, I'm not even sure hundred percent what he does, but I know he's got an auditorium that could hold a hundred or so people. Okay. So I was like, great. And he introduced us and it turned <laughs> out to be a guy that owned a treatment center. Okay. So we first night I had an event. He came, he and his wife came and they were like, oh my gosh. Like he was a Tony guy. So he, he understood all of that, but he was like, this is what's missing from our treatment center. We need this for our clients and we need this for our staff, like all of the seminar style approaches. Okay. So essentially I left working with Tony when I got off the road and moved here to South Florida with my uh, fiance at the time. Yep. And uh, we 
essentially were given carte blanche at the at the um, treatment center. Basically, do what you want. What what do people need? And what we noticed was, and and so this book is kind of a case study of how when we unpacked substance abuse and and we would have clients in there, what would happen is if you take drugs and alcohol off the table, you have all the problems that cause the need for the drugs and alcohol in the first place. So what we found is people aren't addicted. They get addicted to drugs and alcohol, but really what they're addicted to are non-resourceful states. They're addicted to the story they tell about woe is me. They're addicted to certain strategies, whether it be uh, drugs or alcohol, People get addicted to shopping. They get addicted to sex. They get addicted to food. They get addicted to depression. Like think Eeyore. Okay. Right. What, what do you do? And Eeyore has a bad day or whatever. It's like, Hey, Eeyore, it's uh, you know, it's, it's raining. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. I'll, <laughs> I'll probably get wet and get a cold. Well, no, look, Eeyore, the sun came out. I'll probably burn. Yeah. Right. And, and he's addicted to that state. So what drugs and alcohol are, are really just a strategy to, alter your state. So what I learned is, is that it's really more than drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol aren't the problem. They've been the solution. They've been a strategy to deal with those challenges. They're a negative, they're a negative attempt at a solution. Exactly. Okay. And so this book is not just about drugs or alcohol. It's about understanding what's beneath all of that. What are the strategies that we're running? How can we find more effective strategies to grow our business? It's reverse engineering the trigger that causes the addiction. Exactly. And that could also be an addictive issue that leads up to that. And it, right. I, that's a very interesting way. I've, I've never, you know, as I've never looked at it that way. It's real. That's very eye opening because we talk about a reverse engineering everything professionally, Exactly. but you never do it. Like what, what are, what are bad habits you have as an individual in your marriage and your personal life, whatever else um, really stepping back and saying what led to this, what led to that and why that's, uh, and that's it takes fascinating. The, the stigma away because now it's not the person, it's the behavior right. and it's, it's a, a way to actually do it strategic, strategically rather than the, you know, that trite hyperbole, like, Oh, you know, be mad at the addiction, not at the person. And right. it, it's hard to it, like extricate yourself from that because there are other behaviors, right? Like if someone, you know, we, we, my wife and I created the family program there and we ran that for eight years and we'd have the family members come in and they'd be talking about the, you know, their child or loved one, you know, stealing their diamond ring and hawking it for, for drugs and, and that kind of thing. And it's hard not to get angry at the person. Right. It's very, it, it's almost insensitive, even though we understand it to be like, Oh, you got to blame the addiction. Well, yeah, I get that. And why did he do it? Why did she do it? Why is this happening? And when you understand deeper level, you can not only have more compassion, you could also help them find new ways because it's not the drugs that they want. It's the solution that they're looking for. So there are other ways to do it. And now that I'm, you know, as a coach, a business owner and so forth, people get addicted to strategies or strategy hopping, right? Like when you're building your business and you go, oh, like what's the newest widget? Oh, it's Instagram. Oh, here's this, uh, this application. Here's this new, you know, way to, to story yep. sell. Here's this. And people go from like strategy to strategy, to strategy, to strategy. Or, or worse, tactic to tactic to tactic, which gets. Same we, thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm smiling and laughing because literally as you were walking in here, uh, I was at, I was at a, a local board of realtors event yesterday. Huge expo floor, all these vendors and speakers and, Everyone's addicted to lead generation I known. I and, been here. and they become lead squirrels. Right. And, and everyone out there is selling these packages that say, 
do this for $30 and you can get exposed to 30,000 people. And Corey and I were just up in Boston last, last week in an event and sat down with a good friend of mine for, uh, who's a realtor in North Jersey. And we talked about instead of going wide, trying to reach a hundred thousand people once go deep, try to build a relationship with 10,000 mm-hmm. people, 10 times. And I was literally writing a post in response. We posted it a couple of days ago, but we did another edit of it and I'm reposting because it really, it ate at me that, that all these people are trying to take advantage. The, the vendors are trying to take advantage of the opportunity to monetize. They're not looking to build a relationship. They right. want you to do it one time. And then the agents are all looking at it. So I could do like, wow, I, I get 30,000 people in 35 seconds. Let's do it. Well, what's your plan? What's your purpose? What are you going to do what's after you get those 35,000 leads? And it's amazing in, in, in the real estate industry, when you look at the average realtor, I'm not talking about the superstars, the mm-hmm. people who are real solid business people, but those who are trying to figure out how to get to the next level, they become addicted to lead generation, right? but they have no plan at all for lead conversion and opportunities <laughs> and building relationships. And, and you'll go broke so fast. Well, And not only that, what happens is they do that. They don't. And what this book talks about, and this is a part of a series this is going to, we're going to go into under Beautiful. construction, navigating the detours on the roads to real estate success, real estate investment, real estate. Like, cause You're taking it, the Michael Gerber route, the authorship. It, right. Exactly. Fantastic. It's I beautiful. love it. I love it. It's elegant. Right. Yeah. So it, it just, you get a like chicken soup, which by it, the way, exactly. My publisher, HCI and Simon Schuster, they are the original publishers of chicken soup. The original chicken soup for yeah. Seoul. So what happens is, is someone gets that lead generation thing and they spend whatever, 30 bucks, 300 bucks, whatever it is. And for some, that might be a a large expense. Then because they haven't learned how to master themselves, they think it's about the tactic. They think it's about the next strategy or tactic. They don't invest in themselves. They don't hire a coach. They don't look at what their responsibility is, what their role is. They half-assed do that strategy. They don't know how to convert. They right. don't know how to do that. They don't have the psychology for it, which is what you're doing is so brilliant yeah. is helping people understand what it takes to actually do the work because any of these strategies ultimately will work, but you got to show up with that certainty and that confidence and a plan right. so that, because what'll happen is you get 35,000 leads and then you're still looking for low hanging fruit. You don't want to have or, to. Or do you even realize, understand what the concept behind low-hanging fruit is? Well, that's, yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to go too no, deep. No, but, 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 yeah. but that's the reality of it. Because those people who are being targeted to do these things, do they have that knowledge? And that's why we talk about with the growth of my company. And I'm I'm, I'm getting excited because I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you talk. And I'm saying, this is so in line with how we're looking to re rebuild our company. Uh, you know, we, we stripped. Dean Miller real estate back to its core mm-hmm. uh, a little over a year ago. And, and I, I look at all these steps and we're building processes and systems and, and basically checklists for everything to tell our age to, to, to work for, with our agents, to work for them, to say, these are all the steps in the process. And if you follow this structure, this order, this system, you will be successful. And I, I listened to you talk about the psychology of that. That says maybe that's something we need to partner up and to say behind Definitely. the checklist, there's a psychology behind it. Now you know what to do, but do you truly understand why you have to do it? Right. That, and that's very interesting. And the way you show up, right? It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. So what I, I use this example often. So let's say you train me on uh, you know, basically for some people, it's just asking, asking for the listing. Yep. Right. I mean, some people are just afraid to ask, ask for the opportunity to work right. for somebody. And what happens is sometimes they'll say, okay, Dean says I got to ask. And then they show up and they, um, and they just ask, yeah, you, the you, words come out. You, you probably wouldn't want to list with me, would you? 
Yeah. No, I didn't think, you know what? Dean's program sucks because I did what he said. He told me to ask and I did. And they turned me down and they do it how many times? Once, maybe a second time. And they show up worse the second time than they did the first time because they never worked on their psychology. They don't have that certainty, that confidence in themselves. They're not thinking bigger picture. They're not coming from a a place of holistic approach, (laughs) right? Whereas you got to have the tactics and strategies, but you also have to have the mindset, right? Because that's first. That's always first. Right. And it's so funny, like I, as an investor as well, I'm an investor and I, I hang with a lot of down in Florida, a lot of pretty heavies, Mm -hmm. you know, investing. And it's amazing how, how much differently they think that they speak than the average person in relationship to everything, right? Because how you do anything is how you do everything. But I remember we were talking to a couple of guys who in, it's in the last couple of years, they've blown up their business. And when we were talking and, and basically they were all at almost the exact same time when we were talking about something, they just said, mindset is everything. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Like, all this other stuff doesn't mean a thing if you don't have the right psychology, yep. don't have the mindset and they're, they're killing it. And though they're having same roller coasters, right. right? So they, I, cause I, part of the conversation that day when I was talking to them, they do wholesaling as well. And I was like, Hey, well, I'm not getting any emails. What's going on. I want some deals like hook me up. And they're like, eh, we're, there haven't been enough. We're doing them all. Yeah. Like we, there isn't a surplus. You, right. there used to be a surplus and we would then just, you know, sell stay, the contracts. Stay to the ones the that we market, didn't do. It's cyclical and yeah. yeah, it comes and goes. But this is why they're like, the mindset is so important because we wouldn't be able to survive as soon as the things started pulling in and contracting, we'd freak out. Right. And that's, we see it in the stock yeah. market. And we from the everything. entrepreneurial standpoint, you got to look at it and say, if you, if you only have, you know, if you only have your toe in, in, in one bit of water, you're going to go through those cycles and you're going to become a victim of the cycle. We can't control that. Listen, right. there's a, a recession is almost guaranteed to happen every eight to 10 years. We're overdue for one right now. And, and depending on who you ask, we're actually in one in the beginning stages of one right now. I, I can't, I can't define it as, as a true recession, but I see it coming. Uh, and as someone who's been doing what I do for over 20 years, I've seen the real estate market specifically go through multiple cycles of absolute all time highs and then biggest percentage drop in the history and then coming back. And now we look at it. If you go back through two cycles, we're still on that same path of mm-hmm. growth at any given point. We're right on par with where we need to be, but how many people live in a home for 35 years? Um, you know, so you, this, you're affected by those cycles. And, and I, and that's why I'm, I'm very intrigued by what you do with, with the programs you run, the investments you do very much like what I do. I mm-hmm. have, a, I have my hand in a lot of different things. I've got, you know, I've invested in some tech companies that have made me a fortune. I've invested in some other companies that have lost me a good amount of money. It's all part of that cycle. And I always come back to this is, you know, real estate is my baby. It's what right. I've done for so long because I love it and I'm passionate about it. Um, but, you know, we dabbled in public speaking years ago. We talked earlier today about me me getting off of my tail and going out and writing and publishing my own book. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's where the podcast came from. And it's where the vlog that we do came from. And, and me going out and hiring a 23-year-old to become my media director you know it's multi-generational you got to understand oh, yeah. how the other half lives and how they want to live um so yeah you you know you we, we always joked as we were younger you're always that renaissance man you were in the music world and yeah. you're a musician and you got into that business and you did so many different things and, and i'm really excited to see where you go with this like i've watched since you moved down to florida how many years ago now god 12, 11, yeah. it's, 12, it's 11 been, 12? It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I've, I've kind of watched you from the outside and we've run into each other at reunions and, yeah. and random stuff here back back home in New York. But you've always been an interesting character. 
uh, and, and unique. And I say that with all, with all love and respect for you. I, and, uh, you know, and speaking of psychology that used to, I couldn't help who I was, but growing up, that was really a thing for me. Like yeah. I felt misunderstood. I felt like I was a misfit on the Island of misfit toys. I use the exact same. <laughs> and we have not spoken about this. I use that exact same line all the time. Yeah. And all it turns out everybody feels that way to some extent. It's look, look at the world we live in now where they say, you know, the geeks and the nerds are taking over. They're, they're now the cool kids, right? You know, the jocks and the musicians of the world are the ones who are being leapfrogged by all these creatives and technical. And, I didn't, and, you know, and as, I never really looked at life in a, listen, high school, high school is what it is. You know, we all had our niches and if we didn't have a niche, we all lived on the periphery of several. Niches. Right. Um, and that's where I lived. And I was comfortable with that because I liked having friends who were in everyone in the world and every, every different niche of the world because it gave me access. Right. And, and access even at that age, and it's still important. It's why I network the way that I do. Mm -hmm. Access to different people gives you different perspectives and different ideas and different opportunities and makes you into, helps you develop into the person that you are. So are you saying that it would be valuable to hear and listen to and perhaps not demonize people for having a different opinion than yourself? 100%. Shocking, isn't it? <laughs> Look, Wouldn't the world be a different place? We, if, I was just saying, we just had this epiphany and we're going to change the world yeah, like that. Yeah, I think everybody knows it, but they're afraid to because that means that they're going to have to compromise and they're going to have to admit that something is is challenging. I don't want to go off on a political rant but here. There's, but there's the hard, there's the, the, the hard pain word, that, compromise. Oh my gosh. And But how you do anything is how you do everything. So those same people, let's just look at, you know, out from the like big picture looking down. In every industry, of every sector, we have that same thing going on. Like even in recovery, people would say it's so interesting. And, you know, no one said anything to me because I do honor, you know, any, like I say, hey, look, whatever strategy works for you, do it. Right. There are people who are like, you know, the, this is the only way to do it. Like you have to do if it's, you know, using AA, there's a lot of ideas around AA mm -hmm. that some, some people are very militant. Like this is the only way. And when they see people doing it a different way, they'll be like, Oh, that's never going to work. Right. And I'm they not suggesting that there's the same strife, but there's a mindset shift when you open up and you listen and you go, well, wait a minute. And this is what the book is really about. What do you really want? Like you want happiness. Let's talk about the purpose, not the process. Right. Because people get so locked into the process and then they get stuck. They overanalyze those processes or the tactics or whatever. They get stuck and then they see someone successful. And because they didn't use your process, they go, oh, well, they were lucky or they were right. whatever. And they, they kind of make some story I about hate that. that. Word, luck. I absolutely hate that word luck. Right. Luck. I mean, what is luck really? It's when opportunity meets the hard work uh, when you're out there taking action. It, it's, you know, we talk about the concept of sawdust, you know, and, and you know, the carpenter that goes in there and builds something. There's somebody out there who took it upon themselves and got smart, collected all that sawdust and made a multi-million dollar industry out of the sawdust. And, and, and that visual works for me. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's the residue of hard work. That's what luck is. You know, I, I, an overnight success that took 30 years. And, you know, when I was, when I was playing poker for, for a couple of years, I, I used to listen to this guy, Chris Ferguson. He was, oh, say, you know, my, my luck is just, my luck at the table is just the residue of patient persistence, watching, learning from other people. Yeah. I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. So you have that one big hit and all of a sudden, you know, you got lucky and won with a bad hand. 
no, that guy knew more about you and how you play than you could ever dream. Well, and you think this was brilliant about the title of your podcast here, Opportunity Knocks, right? We're getting the knock all the time. Who's going to open the door? Exactly. And, and just because you're getting the knock doesn't mean that what's going to come in is going to be the perfect ideal situation. The deal is though, unless you open the door, you're never going right. to know. You can't adjust. You can't learn. You can't grow. And that's where we, I think we're having a lot of challenges because people like, as an example, I remember um, my, our first investment property and I started talking to some people that I you know, loved and respected family members and, you know, just get some feedback and say, Hey, here's, here's what I'm doing. And you like, wanted to get their opinion and get their validation. No, no. no? I, I, I was, was watching the look on your face and I'm thinking maybe that's the path you're going with. I apologize. Yeah, Keep no, going. no. It wasn't that as much as just kind of like a heads up, like here's what I'm, I'm doing. And you know, uh, I'm trying to think it was even maybe a, a time when I was asking for some financing. I don't, okay. I don't remember, but it was someone who was close to me who had had owned rental properties in the past and was like, well, you know, yeah, you know, that one time, you know, we had that and we had this, uh, you know, this tenant and we had, we picked like $12,000 to do, you know, just, uh, you know, be, be careful, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's like, this is, so I'm going to tell a quick story. Does that be all right? Go right ahead. So one day the devil decides to have a tag sale. So he gets out all of his weapons of destruction. He's got the mace of rage, right? He's got the spear of jealousy. He's got all this crazy stuff and he lays them out. And it looked like, the, uh, you know, one of those flea markets where they got all those knives and oh, sure, yeah, like, sure. it's just, a, it's like works of art, right? It's the old shopper's village. The old shopper's village. There. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so imagine that with the devil sitting there and he's got all these amazing tools out there. Then there's this little wooden wedge down at the bottom here. So this demon is walking around and he's checking out all these works of art and stuff. And then he, this little piece of wood catches the devil's eye and it's like used and worn. The other things are like polished and like well-kept and all this. And so the, the demon goes to the devil. It's like, Hey, Lucifer, you know, what the hell? What, what's with the, uh, that wooden piece of, that, that piece of wood. And he's like, ah, you are a wise demon. That my friend is the most powerful weapon in my arsenal. He said, spear of jealousy, man, that is heavy. Like you got to wield it and it's messy. That Mesa rage one time I swung it and I knocked off one of my horns. Like it was just uh, not really that effective. But I tell you what, that piece of wood is my most powerful tool. That is the wedge of discouragement. And all I need to do is take it, little ball peen hammer, couple of notches, and that soul is mine. And so often we allow that other chitter chatter, that other voice in our heads, the the person who we care about just discourages you just a little bit like, well, you know, and oftentimes the, the less successful people will buy into that and they'll go, Ooh, that's all. I just needed that little bit of a discouragement to take me out of actually going for my hopes and dreams. You know, I, I look at my growing up and my father, God bless him is a super conservative very regimented, highly educated guy. And he believes his value system is traditional education, get the corporate job, work the, you know, do all of that. And at the time that was appropriate for him and it worked. And and 40 years ago, 40 plus years ago, it was, it was was the norm. Yeah. Yeah. So when I said to him, I want to rock, 
He was like, well, uh, Douglas, you know, the entertainment industry is a really challenging industry. And yep. uh, what you need to do is go to school and get an education and get a job. And, you know, on the on your weekends and, you know, but you need something to fall back on. We, we were raised by the fallback generation right. because of the way that they were raised. And that's too, and what's brilliant about that we could have this conversation is that we didn't allow that to stop us. Right. But think of how many people allow still that conversation. Yeah. They get addicted to that and they don't. And, and look, I, I'm, I'm pragmatic, right? If I'm going to jump out of an airplane, like I'm, I'm going to wear a parachute. parachute like I'm, right. I'm going to, I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Right, I'll put the I'll put the helmet on because you tell me to. But really, the parachute's the only thing I need. You know? right. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. Why do they make you wear a helmet? I, I yeah. never understood that. I don't know. Maybe so the clips don't hit you in the head or something. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I never thought about never it. thought it through. But yeah. but yeah, exactly. So you know, when we're out there like investing, right? Obviously, we're going to do our due diligence. We're going. We're not just jumping out into an investment without being smart. But most people stop themselves before even getting to the due diligence part, or they're looking for the reason why not to, whereas we look at why to do it, knowing I've got to have a parachute, let's be, but right. what we really want is the thrill. We want the investment. We want the return. We know there's risk. We know that like we, we can't, there's no such thing as a riskless opportunity. Right. And the bigger the risk, the larger right. the if there's reward. No, if there's no risk, what's the sense of doing it? And you know, what's the reward at the end of the day? You do it to make a difference. Sometimes that difference is making money. Sometimes it's having a positive out outcome on somebody else's life. Exactly. And all too often people get stopped before even getting that far. Yep. And, and that's, that's what we were talking about earlier about the psychology. Well, yep. that's first. The actions that we take are vital, but if we're not in the right psychology, if we don't have the right mindset, it's not going to work. So basically what your intention is, is to help people build a plan to help them overcome any of those potential obstacles that, 100%. So, that are self-inflicted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. And and hearing you talk about that, that concept of the series of books using, you know, I've, I'm addicted to Michael Gerber and the E-Myth, which is why I jumped into that. But, mm -hmm. but you, you mentioned chicken soup for the soul uh, and, and writing a series along those lines. I think there's so many chances for you to not only have such a huge positive out, uh, out impact on other people, but bringing other people into that world to help you understand different industries so that you can bring your value and kind of cross pollinate the two, right. which is a big reason why we do things like this. You know, at the end of the day, I I've really learned to enjoy this. Uh, it's helped me get very, very introspective on, on who I am and what I do and why I'm doing a lot of And when of you things. say this, you're talking about the podcast the and stuff. The podcast so when you first started, did you have that same dialogue in your head? Like, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know why I was doing it. And a lot of people questioned me. They said, why are you going to drop $1,500, $2,000 on equipment? And why are you going to take that time? You know, the money we could always go make more of, but right. the time you can't get back. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I paid Corey and he did the research and, and found the perfect equipment for us. Now we got to put the time into it. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. My first guest, and we're, we've come to the decision, we are going to publish it. My first guest was my, was my 10 year old daughter. Uh, and we Why got, wouldn't you publish it? And well, because I, I, I don't ever want to pander and leverage my family or I don't want to put them in a position where they're uncomfortable. Oh, they're but, uncomfortable. But, yeah. But, but I mean, it, you know, it was, it the was babes. To, to use a perfect Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins. It was just a limiting belief on my part yeah. at the time. But in my effort to do this and, and now I'm speaking to more podcasts, I'm speaking to more interviewers, mm -hmm. I'm speaking to more authors and I'm, I'm learning, I'm absorbing. You know, I, I don't want to say I'm learning because that just is too much of the head stuff, but I'm absorbing and I'm mm -hmm. starting to understand. You're integrating why. it. Perfect choice of words. Thank you. Um, so I, I look at all this now and I say, 
you know, I did a speaking gig on Wednesday night and I hadn't been in front of an audience of more than five or six people in ages. I was terrified. And I admitted while I was doing it, I was terrified. I don't awesome. like public speaking, but I understand that it's, it's an important step in my process to evolve and become who I want to be, mm-hmm. to build my organization to what I want it to be, to help create leaders. Right. You know, I've always looked at it and people say, well, you want to be this great leader. And I say, no, I, my goal in life is to be a good leader. What will define me being a good leader is how many great leaders I can help create. I would and, argue and, that and, that's what makes you a great leader. And, Leadership and say, is about inspiring leaders, and not exactly, about having followers. Th- and, and again, that's me. I want to stay in that humble position. I don't mind the spotlight, but I don't want people to think that I, I need it. I don't crave it. I crave the opportunity to help get people into it and be the one holding the light for them, putting the powder on the forehead so their head doesn't shine like mine does. You know, all, all those those little negatives that I overanalyze, mm. I want to solve those problems. And that's what will at the end. I just of go the out day, like a sweaty bastard. And, and listen, I'm, I'm a fat, sweaty bastard. I'm not afraid to admit it. You know, uh, you know, I'm overweight. I'm losing my hair. I'm not the most handsome guy in the world. I got no problem with it. I am what I am. <laughs> You know, I was, I was born with a certain gene and I've beaten it up what I've been blessed with. And I've been cursed with some other, th- I, I'm good. Yeah, we're it. human. And that's exactly yeah. it. You know, I don't, I don't worry about being pretty. I got to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's a level of self-awareness that I have that I try to instill huge. in my children. And to be honest with you, I try to instill it in all the people who come to me asking for anything. Um, you know, what can I do to be a benefit and of service to you? That's, that's really what ultimately is most important to me. And that key of presence of being there and and not having, like we all have it, but overcoming that inner dialogue. Cause there are some people who go, I I want to go out on stage because yada, yada, yada. And you did. And the, the value of that is that you show to others it's possible because if it's only, you know, super handsome guys like Tony Robbins going out on stage, we'd live in a vacuum. There'd be no, you know, like we, we need to have everybody celebrated. It yep. isn't about, we, we forget that we're so much more than these, you know, like carbon based, you know, That's DNA it. sacks yep. walking around yep. and we need to celebrate that. We need yeah. to, it, again, going not going a political thing, but celebrating our uniqueness is so important we all have something of value. And if we start buying into, it has to look a certain way. We miss out on what we have to offer because we right. may not look that way. And we miss out on the opportunities that we were blessed with that we weren't able to. It, it's, it's like finding a diamond, you know, you got to go digging for it. You got to, the coal's got to be pressed or you go gold mining. You know, we were just on a cruise up in Alaska and we're sitting there, we're panning for gold. Did you get any? And I'm looking at this little tray full of rocks and dirt, trying to figure it out. And sure enough, guy comes over and he shows us and, gives us these little tiny specks and it's worth 34 bucks. Now, granted, it cost me 150 to go do the tour and I'm not selling it back. To right. But but that's the concept behind yeah. it is there, there is gold in everything. There's a diamond in the, in, in that rough everywhere. And, and we're all blessed with the opportunity to, to have that in us. We've just got to figure out what path to be on. You know, I, I, I smiling because a, a, you, you said something along the lines of anything is possible. Yes. And in, in the episode I did with my daughter, my daughters, especially I have four kids, but especially my daughters um, grew up in a house where they were led to believe anything is possible. We're not allowed to use the word can't. Mm. And I've always believed that, but a good friend of mine by the name of Brian Moses, who you may have crossed paths with in the Tony Robbins world. Um, Brian's a guy out of Nashville, New Hampshire. Uh, but, but he used to talk about it and he's got a son who's graduating high school this year. And he was told he will never between him and his wife. And I'm not speaking out of turn because Brian tells the story publicly, but between him and his wife, they'd never be able to conceive. And sure enough, they, they've got a, they've got a son who's 
a brilliant, well-educated, intellectual, uh, great personality, athlete, um, you know, and they believed it was possible. They mm-hmm. wanted another kid. They decided to go another route and they adopted. They adopted a a, a child from China. Beautiful. Uh, and, and now here, here Peyton is growing up and he's, you know, in elementary school and taking karate classes, not to be stereotypical, but his older brother was a world champion martial artist as a child, hmm. you know, in weapons and in forms. Uh, and, and he's growing up to be the intellectual of Hayden. Hayden, the older one, is the athlete who's, who's intelligent. Peyton is the intellectual who's intelligent. So he's, right. you know, and, and you just watch these things where can't, you know, it's not possible or can't. I hate hearing that word. You know, yeah. I, I, I joke with my wife all the time. I'd rather hear my, I'd rather, I tell my wife, I'd rather hear my daughter drop F-bombs and say can't. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I, in my trainings, I do, we have, we look at our language. I mean, NLP is all about language yeah. and how are we programming ourselves? And, you know, that word can't is, is a killer, but is another killer, right? I mean, you, if you find yourself in that space and you're saying, I love you, but... And then, you know, you're pain in the ass, whatever. All the brain hears is pain in the ass. Yeah. They love you. It's just right out there because whatever preceded the butt is ignored. Yep. And little things like that, it, you know, like Yoda, like these aren't, these archetypes are Sitting not, right here. yeah, these are not like, they're cliches because it's real, you know, do or do not. There is no try, right? It's, why try. My, it's why my daughters who went to Disney over the summer with my mom brought that back for me and why it is probably one of my all-time favorite quotes um and listen we all catch ourselves in those moments where we use those words Mm -hmm. but it's just because they're out there and they become habitual but i own the fact that try is a bullshit word oh yeah um and and, and i yeah what if i said to you like when you you reached out and said uh hey you know you want to come do the podcast i was like yeah i'll try and get there right and i'm gonna sit here twiddling my thumbs (laughs) all day wasting my time and listen (laughs) not for nothing my time is valuable to me or somebody else i i agree yeah so you know when someone says they're gonna try and do it it's just they're out it's right it's their way of saying screw you i really couldn't care less it's not that important to me but if nothing better comes along yeah maybe actually what they're really saying is screw me i'm not that important to make it important it's not about you. It's a nice way to look at it from, from this side of the table yeah. when it comes up. That is a very good, let me tell you, we would have gone back 35 years ago and said two guys sitting in that room, <laughs> you know, sitting around the cafeteria, smoking cigarettes on the picnic tables, trying to hide from everyone saying, we're going to sit around one day and have a really intellectual conversation. Nobody would have ever believed it. Yeah, I doubt now, it. I'm sure people would have believed it, but. Looking at it from the outside, you know, from that 30,000 foot view, they would have said, what the hell is it? I, well, I, I, I can't speak uh, for you, but I don't think I was even on uh, the radar for being like surviving high school. Oh, then again, I was kicked out of it. So that's, yeah. that's part of it too. Oh, I, I, I didn't. So my first year in high school, I ended up in Chaminade. I got in. Me and too. My father said, if you get in, you're going. And it was the last place in the world I wanted to go. And I didn't get invited back at the end of the year. I got asked to leave in the middle of it. They put it, they put it nicely. They said, Mr. Miller, we appreciate your time here, but we're not going to ask you to come back next year. And I did some really jackass, stupid 13, 14 year old stuff there. Um, but they, they got me out under the guise of, I failed religion and algebra with a 74 and passing in Chaminade was 75. Yep. I was like, son of a bitch. And I think I might've actually used that words. And they made me go to summer school for algebra. You know, and, and I said, oh, well, I'm out. I got, I got the public school and I, I skated through. 
You know? Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, Shaman and I did not agree either. I didn't but, know you like, were there. You were there. That's yeah. A small world. And you know what are the things that I did? I, this is kind of a, like, again, creative way to be like a little nasty. So, you, you know, you had to wear a suit, yep. blah, blah, blah. I intentionally wore as mismatched stuff as humanly possible. I got right. these old ties from my uncle, those big fat old, you know, like paisley, yeah. ugly, like not good looking paisley, yeah. like disgusting. Loud. And then I would wear like big polka dot shirt with it and like, you know, a blazer that was uh, like the wrong great. color. And it was just like, I was like, what? I'm wearing a tie. I'm wearing a shirt. Like, and I'm like, wearing everything you told me I had to wear. Yeah. Like, yeah. But you look like an idiot. I'm like, well, you didn't specify that I had to have some sense of class. Right. Or, or yeah. Class. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm saying, you know, I may have literally may have crossed paths with you at some, because I do remember there were, there were always a handful that stuck out physically because yeah. of the way that they dress. You know, some guys are six foot six. Other guys are five foot two. Some guys are fat and skinny and some dress like they, you know, oh, and I, I got you. I remember this. Oh, I, I, just remembering this now as we talk about shaman. Yeah, so, sorry for stirring it. My up. hair, my hair was touching my collar because I always wanted to have long yes. hair. I had long hair before going yep. to Shamanad, so I had to get it cut, and my hair was touching my collar. And I just I wouldn't do it. They finally, you know, were like sending letters home and like you can't come in unless you get your hair cut. My mom literally gave me a bowl cut. She put oh, the bowl on my head and just cut around it. Oh my gosh! And I remember freaking out. And I started like I, I think. You know, I've shared this story in the past. Literally every wall in the house that I grew up in on Avalon had holes in it from me punching it. Almost every door had to be replaced because I kicked it in. And I just grew up and I was pissed off or depressed. Like that was it. It was really kind of, those were the two emotions that I ran. And actually that's how I got into Tony. And I, that personal power was the the thing that I, I listened to how, that turned how, it all around. How old were you when that, when that moment happened? I was 17. Really? And I came home and I was, I, I was a wreck. I was drunk. I was just like, Bleh. I'm like, mom, give me your credit card. And she's like, what for? And I'm like, oh, I went to Tony Robbins, personal power. Right. Cause at that time he was on like 24 so, hours a day. Right, 33 o'clock in the morning, yeah. you're half in the bag. You have to go to White Castle. Right. That's all yeah. you can watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I always dug it. There was something about it that was really um, inspiring. Yeah. So she's like, oh, we have that, honey. I'm like, what we do? She's like, yeah, it's in the den. It was still wrapped cassettes. Wow. So I started listening to it and that that's what started to transform and, and like really help me. And then, um, I started to, you know, get out of my own way quite a bit. And, um, I, by like 1920, I had a bit of a, a, a cocaine problem. And, um, that's, I, I basically Tony Robbins to myself uh, at like 19 or 20 and I quit smoking crack. I quit smoking cigarettes, pot, everything in that one night. Wow. And, um, I had a couple, you know, it, whatever issues when a little, you know, but I stopped basically all of that. Uh, Joe Holtzman and I, when I was 21, or I'm like, like that summer, we mm -hmm. drove around the country and we camped our way around and we, you know, like, I was just like, I gotta get my act together. I gotta figure out what I'm going to do. And I listened to that. And I, you know, have headphones on and stuff. And of course, hanging out with Joe and we were having a great time and all, but like, that was kind of my thing. And I was like really doing some soul searching mm -hmm. and we came back and I was like, that's it. I'm doing music. I don't care how or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but this is what I'm doing. And I went to a studio on Long Island and I'm hopefully going to see him tonight. Um, Richie Kanata, who sure. 
You know Richie? I, I know. I don't know him personally, but I've heard the name. Of yeah, so Richie times. was the sax player yeah. in Billy Joel, yeah. and he played all those famous solos yeah. and all of that. He was the co-owner with this guy Rick Wake of Cove City Sound Studios on on Long Island in Glen Cove. I knocked on the door, and I was like, uh, "Hey, I'll work here for nothing." Because I'd done some research, and I could go to school. Like I talked to my dad. I'm like, "I'm gonna go to five towns and learn." Right. All the research I, I did. I went to Audio Recording Technology Institute in Farming. They are, right. Yeah. Um, so I looked at that too. And then everyone I looked at, all the successful people just did it. They did it. They, they didn't need the school because you got to intern anyway. Yep. And I, all the records I had done for myself, the demos, they, they were never quite right. So it's was like, all right, I'm just going to do that. And I'll not, I, basically I lived off of credit cards for six months before they started paying me. Mm-hmm. That's how I lived. And I mean, talk about like, he, I mean, this is a great story and not because it's me. It was just, it, it, what I did was I would go it, as an intern from 10 to six, I would be getting coffee, mm-hmm. cutting tape, you know, soldering wires, running, doing all that stuff from six till whenever I would stay and I just hang out and I would just hang out in the just room and learn and watch and connect and model. Then once they gave me keys to the studio, as soon as the session was over, I would stay and practice what it is. So I would start mixing and learning what they, you know, and, and trying stuff out. So I sped up my entire process okay, simply dirty. by immersion, being stuck in yep. there and applying Tony Robbins stuff and, and all of that. And we worked, you know, worked our way up to winning multiple Grammys. We won Grammys with Celine, with JLo, That's with the awesome. Chicago soundtrack. And I joined the bands, some of the bands that I had produced and toured with them. And, you know, that's kind of, so to talk about reinvention and kind of what brings us kind of full circle. And, and you asked earlier, kind of like maybe tie it all in. Sure. So I was always into Tony. I was going through personal development and I was using NLP and all that to bring the best out of our student, you know, the, the musicians and as a producer and um, peak of my career is when Napster came out. Okay. So what happened to the music industry with, when Napster? It, it changed everything. It changed everything. Yeah, right? That was one of the early disruptors. We, yep. throw, we throw that term around loosely now, like, ooh, Uber disrupted right. an Airbnb. But this was, no one knew what to call it. Yeah. Just like, what the F? So that also it created was, it Pro was Tools. That, it was that shocking moment that literally put an entire industry, slammed the brakes, they all smashed their head on the dashboard. Yeah. And they, said, what? They what, didn't, what didn't know the what heck? to do about it. Yeah. They had no, they had no models. There was no history from that kind yep. of experience. So I had to reinvent myself and I had to look at why did I do music in the first place? Now I was addicted to music. I'll be right. honest. Like that was, that I, that's why I could spend and do it. I loved everything about it. And I unpacked all uh, the different things. We, we had the same issue. We went different paths. Mm-hmm. You were the physical. I, I was a musician in the sense that I was a DJ. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I worked in recording and I, right there. I, I'm listening to you talk about cutting tape and sticking around and they left the doors open. I can hang out all night and sleep yeah. on the floor under the table. I, the more I talk to people, the more I realize how much we had in common. We just literally went down the, a parallel block yeah, and saw different things. Uh, it, it's amazing to me. So continue. Go ahead. So basically I had to reinvent. Um, and now this is a funny story. I'm sure I, I don't remember who the person was, but I had to get a job. Like I had to, I had to survive. Right. So I always wanted to speak. So now I'm figuring out what I'm gonna do with music, doing kind of guerrilla music you know, like locally and, and figuring it out doing okay. And I got a job with mad science. You know what that is? Why do I'm, I'm, I, I, I hear the, the only go boy go song. In the uh, mad bad 80s yeah. movie, but <laughs> so what it was, was a 
after school is an after school program that you'd go in, wear a lab coat and teach science to basically first, second, third oh, cool. graders. Okay. Right. And this was like, I, I want to speak like I, I'm looking for a speaking gig. Cause I love, I was speaking at music conferences. I didn't know where to start. I need an audience. Yeah. So I got this opportunity now. I, so here I am. I was kind of like, I didn't want to go to any of my reunions until I was, you know, Grammy winner and, you know, right. famous and all that, you know, show everybody. Right. Yeah. Cause I felt so you know, disenfranchised <laughs> and uh, you know, it's funny. It's really funny. Um, I'm in the Garden City News uh, for this book this week. Like, it's hilarious. 30 years ago, 30, you were in the Garden City News on the back page. I was. Like, Hunt that guy down. That's true. That's a true story. <laughs> I didn't mean to knock you. I'm just saying that. That's how. Are you bringing it up because you remember that? No, or I, uh, I don't. But I I could see why it would have oh, happened. Yeah, no, Listen, knowing the way that we lived as kids, that, that I could see why. Yeah, it the rest happened. records. You know. <laughs> so I digress. Um, so one of the ways you make extra money is doing parties. Right. So one day, and obviously growing up in Garden City, it's a beautiful town. There's a lot of history, a lot of legacy, a lot of old, emotion. Old money and yeah, emotion. A lot of, and I had some interesting feelings of, around it to, to some extent. I think many of us did. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love it. I, I, I love it. I, I would live there if, yeah. you know, if it was, if it made sense. But um, <laughs> so I get a call for a party. I was like, okay, you're doing this birthday party. And it's not the, it's, it's pretty humbling to begin with after doing red carpet stuff, winning yep. Grammys and I'm starting over. Like I'm literally starting over reinventing myself completely. And it's at the garden city fire department on Stewart Avenue okay. up, you know, up by the garden city country club. Yep. And I'm like, Oh my, like, what are the odds? Like, all right. So I go in there and the woman's like, Doug, McGurk. And I'm like, Oh no, I don't, I honestly, this day, I don't remember who it is because the, like I, what I had to talk about psychology, what I had to muster up of certainty and confidence to be able to deliver to her kids. Yeah. Like this is, I'm a dancing clown right yep. now. I wanted to show you here I am, baby. And now here I am, baby. Oh, like yeah, I'm here. <laughs> And what an amazing like realization where also, and I, we could I talk for days about like moments like that, where like life changing moments where you go, oh my gosh, like I'm going to be okay. Like I was able to serve. I was able to get present. I, I was able to not make it a story about how miserable I am. I was able to step back a little and go, this is normal. This is why these conversations are so important because we look at the most successful people like, you know, uh, um, Rocky story, right? Uh, yep. Sylvester Stallone so sleeping on the, you know, and having nothing and, and holding strong to, I'm going to be Rocky. And, and that was the only way to do it. Like these, these stories are important because there are other people out there who are in that same place. And rather than be despondent and giving up, they go, okay, this is normal. Mm -hmm. It's going to be different content, but the context is going to be the same right. where it's, we got to reinvent. We've got to yep. start over An industry changes. What do we do? Real estate is dealing with it right now too. Every like day. Amazon is buying stuff. Zillow's buying we've, stuff. We've got competition. It was a conversation yesterday, but all the iBuyer platforms that are out there where these companies that aren't even quote unquote real estate companies are now coming in and squeezing. Right agents out of the business and brokerages out of the business. And it's because we've positioned ourselves to fail for so long, but that's an industry conversation. We can, of course, have but it, so where we can learn from it is like what taxis did not do. 
They never adjusted. They thought right. they, they, they got, people get stuck. There's the addiction. They get addicted yep. to the way things are done and they go, it's never going to change. Because people say, well, that's the way we do it because that's the way it's always been done. And I, you want to pull the four letter F words out of me, throw that line at me. It drives me out of my freaking mind. And that's not the four letter word I'm thinking about. It, I, I laugh when you talk about the, the Uber and the taxis because I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk and I, I'm, I'm very deeply embedded in his mindset and his mm -hmm. world and, and some of his people. Um, it's the reason why Corey is one of my favorite hires ever because he, he rejected that world to come work from me. Oh, like, wow. Couldn't be more grateful. Good job. Him. Yeah, he hates the commute. That's what it really comes down to. But that's a whole <laughs> whatever works for you, brother. I'm just saying. <laughs> I said. So you know, I, I listen to that, and I I go back to listening to the story where he talked about you know all of his dad's friends as Russian immigrants. They all owned medallions, and when Uber came along, they all told him, "Shut up, little boy, go away. You have no idea what you're talking about." And those medallions, the value of those medallions, you don't have to take digits out of it. Just take commas out of the value right. that oh. is depreciated. Now, yeah. you know, they, there could be another disruption coming soon, going back the other way. You know, you look at what happened with WeWork the other day where borderline looking at bankruptcy and Uber and the valuations all drop. It's a long-term play, but it's, you know. Well, that's where it's, it's so important that anyone who's listening right now that, that we are just take responsibility for the only thing we can control, which is ourselves. Yep. Be smart in like looking at history and be okay with shifting and changing and the, the blessing and curse of the rate of things changing these days is that we're getting used to it. Yeah. But then we're jumping too much. We're not sticking. And that's the dance, right? The that's dance exactly of right. what, no, you know, like Kenny Rogers, knowing to hold them, yep. knowing to fold them. And we're always going to have that. The difference is, is because the timing keeps changing. It, it's because things are happening so fast, we can miss an opportunity a lot quicker than we, than and not it used e to be. And not even know that we missed it. Right. Or, or worse, know that we missed it and have regret. And that's, you know, that's the, that's the devil. Right. You know, regret's just the poison that's out there. I wish I would have made the intro to the closing because that would have been a perfect way to close. But uh, because you really, you hit a great point. And I think that's a, that's a, a great note to finish on. But let's circle back around because I want to respect your time and I want to overstep my bounds here. What is the big picture goal for you, the difference you're looking to make, whether it's, it's I want to sell 10 million books or I want to have an impact. You know, there, there's a wide yeah. spectrum here. And, and again, I don't want to knock any of it, but give, because you mentioned that this will be co become an ongoing series, how I want to, I want to get people to open their mind to saying, I need to read the first first edition of this to understand how I can bring value. Or cool. Thank you. Well, so interestingly enough, good friend of mine, um, he, he called me up and uh, after he read it and he said, um, he said, can I give you some feedback? And I was like, yeah, of course. He goes, why is this called navigating the roads through detours to recovery? This covers everything. This isn't about like, I'm, I'm trying to understand why you did that because it actually what you're teaching in this and what you're sharing has nothing to do with drugs or alcohol, big picture. Right. And then I shared with him the, what I just shared with you. And he's like, ah, now that makes sense. Got it. Um, so, but I, I'm not an author. I'm a dude right. who cares about people, who loves my family, who loves people, who loves God, who loves the, you know, just the, the experience of life. I see a lot of suffering. My wife and I, 
you know, I'm, I don't know what I've done that I don't know about or what I'm going to do that allows me the gift of the relationship with my wife and our daughter. Cause it's unbelievable. It's actually a joint venture. Like Heidi right now, she's doing a, uh, an event out in Jamesport, South Jamesport okay. uh, called within. And it's a retreat uh, mostly for women who are just kind of letting them, letting it all, you know, come out and, and be self-expressed the best version. Okay. Together we have our mission is to touch, move and inspire to, to add so much value, to be a, a mirror, a reflection on what's possible for other people, for our daughter, right? We want to, our goal is to do events and seminars around the world and bring her so that she's getting that education. Mm -hmm. She's getting that culture. That she's world. living in a, a world of possibility where there's no such thing as can't. It's just when and where. Right. Um, so what we do is we train coaches and speakers. We certify in NLP. Heidi's main function is like her, her passion is helping uh, people out of dysfunction. She grew up in a, you know, you could have her on another time because um, we yeah. should, she'll be leaving, but she deals with uh, people like abuse and, and people have grown up in okay. wacky families and, and how to deal with that because all the work we did in, you know, recovery and families with adult children. Right. And my focus is on that psychology, helping businesses, business owners, entrepreneurs, salespeople learn how to communicate even more effectively, how to connect their story and their message to their audiences, to be able to add so much value that actually transformation starts occurring and we start changing the world. Yeah. You know, I, it, and every day it's so bizarre because I watch the news occasionally and I'll flip, I'll just have fun and I'll go from one channel to the other. And I'm like, I, I don't care what side are you on? Everybody's pissed off. Yeah. And the problem with this is people are buying into it and they're losing sight of what's really most important. They're buying into anger, hostility, uh, pushback. And there's, we could go into no a whole other, we have a whole nother hour just on that. But the truth yeah. is bad news sells papers. Yep. People aren't going to tune in. And the problem is, is everyone's elevating. Everyone's got to be more yeah. intense than the other. And it's, it's crazy. And same thing for the anchors. Journalists have become editorialists yes. because no one's going to buy just a report. They want, they, they need to know. It's yeah. almost like people need to know what to think. Like, oh, what do I think? I'm going to tune into. It, it makes me think, are people either completely unself-aware or overly self-aware? You know, it, so that's the thing. Like, People going around saying they're woke. If you're walking around saying you're woke, you ain't woke. Right. You Because you can't be. Right. <laughs> it, it, you, it just is. You can't. And that's the way to, you can't be. You, it just is. Right. And when you can live in a world where, and not, not to get all Zen and hippied out or whatever it is you want to be. I, I couldn't care less if people love or hate or want to be in that. But I think when you get to that point, it just makes such a, well, and that's where Yoda is such a perfect example. Yoda yeah. had the confidence and certainty to just be. Yeah. And the reverence he experienced was because of that. He didn't have to say he was, he just was. Right. Whereas other people, and, and that's, that's, that's the challenge of being human, right? The, you know, we got all these cybernetic loops going yep. on and we're getting programmed from all these different experiences. And every time we turn on the Facebook news, social media, Twitter, blah, 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 we're getting sucked down rabbit holes and we don't even realize it. And 
that's the challenge. The more we focus on that, the, the worse. So my mission and, and, you know, I can speak for Heidi in, in this context is to offer an alternative to transformation, to anger, to depression, to excitement, to help you find a way to be the best version of yourself, to lead by example, to create incredible leaders, to celebrate your leadership so that you could help celebrate others' leadership so that we can actually make a difference. And it's not about what we do. It's the space we create so that it can flourish. I'm going to end there because I think that's the perfect spot for people to find the opportunity to pay attention to things. Dude, I can't thank you enough for coming and thank doing you. this. I wish you all the best the, of, of luck in the world with the book and with all your endeavors. How can people find you, learn more about you, get in touch with you? Awesome. Thank you. So uh, our website is revolutionarygrowth.com um, and Heidi's is lovecoachheidi.com. Uh, my email is Doug, D-U-G, at revolutionarygrowth.com. And um, yeah, we're we're just blessed and honored to be part of your adventure as well, because this is, you know, it's exciting watching everything that you're doing. I'm, I love seeing yeah. you popping up all the time on, uh, you know, you're, you're working it and it's well, brilliant. We, we've, we've learned a few things. And uh-huh. I'm, my goal is not just to show up and interrupt your game of candy crush, which is what our, our systems did in the beginning. Okay. Everybody under the sun, I knew all said, every time I play a game on my phone, I see your ads popping up. I'm like, that wasn't what we were going okay. for, but guess what? You remember me. So, yeah. And, and it works, it. dude, I wish you all the best. You, you have always been one of, and I, again, I say this with all love and respect. You have been one of the most interesting people that I've been around <laughs> for years. And to watch your evolution and maybe a, a little bit of a transformation over 35 years. Yeah. It, looking back on it now, it's, it's the joy of getting older. You know, I see so much yeah. of what we did, what we thought was right and wrong and how, how wrong we were about what was right and wrong. And, and we, I, I could sit here and do this for another four hours. Oh, and, hell yeah. And, and, but, but. Well, we could have we'll, part two because there'll be, you I, know, I was going to say more. We'll, we'll continue these conversations. We'll have you on our podcast and then there you I'm, go. I'm always available. Yeah. And as you go forward, we're going to start doing more remote stuff. So the wonderful world of Zoom podcasts. And, Love it. And we'll get going. We'll create series of shit that, that make things that have an impact on people. So I can't Dude, thank, thank you. Thank you. Love you, brother. T- tonight, we're going to go to a book signing that Doug's doing. We're going to cover that. This episode will air shortly after that. Uh, but take a look at what he does. Pay attention. Uh, and contribute. If you have an idea, an opinion, a suggestion for Doug, for myself, for anybody here, that's why we do this. Oh, that's the best. Help people, help people make us accountable and expose us for what we are so we can be a better version of ourselves. So Amen, on brother. that note, I'm going to say thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, if you made it to this point in the podcast, we would greatly appreciate your support, your likes, your subscriptions, your comments, your reviews. Uh, it would mean the world to us so that we can get the message out there to people that we believe and you believe they need to hear. So give us some love. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a fantastic day. You rock.